It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome in to another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. It's Thursday, January 18th. We're live, and we're glad that you've joined us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is in the studio with me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're looking forward to a good discussion. Good to be with you. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, listener interactive program in which we invite and welcome your comments. You can participate in the program tonight by calling 931-381-4567. Or tonight we have a special toll-free number you can use to join in on the discussion. That number is 866-403-6331. The numbers again are 931-381-4567 or 866-403-6331. You can also join in on the discussion by emailing us your questions or comments. Email questions at collegeview.com and we can consider your questions or comments for inclusion in the program tonight. The email address to use, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. Tonight on the Virtual Bible Study, as you have likely heard, we've been announcing we have a special guest joining us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. You've seen them in the news, the group that protests at the funerals of soldiers with signs saying, thank God for dead soldiers, thank God for IEDs, thank God for 9-11, and so on. They are from the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, and their spokesman, Shirley Phelps Roper, joins us tonight. Hello, Mrs. Phelps Roper. Thank you for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. Hi, and thank you for having me. Well, you've gained quite a reputation around the country with your protests, which a number, uh, I guess you number around 40 protests a week if your website is uh, accurate. And uh, just this week you were in Tennessee protesting, I believe, a funeral in Smyrna, Tennessee, of a dead soldier. And you were also in the news yesterday in South Florida where a woman canceled a funeral service uh, for her dead soldier uh, son, um, Marsha Finster, and her family said they were trying to avoid you, and therefore they canceled the memorial service for their son. Um, You've gained quite a notoriety. Um, Tell us a little bit about why you take the stand that you do. First of all, uh, Mr. Roper, could you could you tell our audience? I, I know that some of us have seen uh, seen you on TV and seen some of the interviews, seen some of the news coverage. But what what are some of the slogans that you all promote? What are some of the things that you're trying? What's the message that you're carrying to these pickets and these protests? Well, the main message at this hour is that America is doomed, and under under that, we have the um, God hates fags, God hates fag enablers. Therefore, God hates America. That's three of the signs. And then America is doomed. You see, for for 16 years, we have been on the streets every single day, crisscrossing this nation, trying to convince our fellow countrymen the Scripture would be knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord added to our God as a consuming fire. We persuade men. So we've been crisscrossing this nation trying to convince our fellow countrymen, please, don't go the way of Sodom and Gomorrah, because the destroyer of Sodom is not dead. He's on the way and he's raging mad. What this nation has done is thumb their nose at the living and true God and his commandments, and they have raised this generation of young people, teaching them that God is a liar. And, and they do it like this. He says, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. They say, that's a lie. It's okay to be gay. You know, like... The serpent in the Garden of Eden. She said, we're not supposed to eat from that tree. He said, she said, because God says we'll die. He says, that's a lie. You're not going to die. God knows you're not going to die. It's the hiss of the serpent. He says, no adultery, no fornication. The Lord Jesus Christ said, if you divorce and remarry, you are living in adultery. But we tell these children, that's a lie. You can switch up your spouses and your sex partners as often as you switch, change your undergarments. And, and so on like that. And, right. and, and, and thou shalt not kill. 
But if you are going to fornicate, which, of course, we encourage strongly, and if, in fact, you're kind of a freak if you're not doing that by the time you're about 13, and you produce a child, well, you just go ahead and kill it. That's no, it's no problem. It's a lie. We've broken the moral compass of this nation. So I sit daily and watch this nation in horror as you have, you see the drama playing out in Missouri yeah. where they, the child was kidnapped and four days later they find him. And, oh, while they're at it, they found the child who'd been with this guy for, for four years. He kidnapped him, four or maybe six, I don't remember. Several years he's had this young man. Right. Well, Miss Robert, uh, I think I think that you might be surprised to have somebody interviewing you who says that we agree with a number of the things that you said. I think typically when you get interviews, people are on you immediately in disagreement. We're actually in agreement with you about the the sad moral state of affairs in America. It is truly appalling. We agree that homosexuality is a sin. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 could not be plainer on that point. We agree that God hates homosexuality. Leviticus 18.22 says it's an abomination to him. We agree that homosexuality will send a person to hell. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9-10 clearly says that homosexuality is a sin that will keep people out of heaven. Um, and the last chapter, the last book of the Bible says, and without a dog... That dog there is not Fido. That that word dog, that term dog, is used in the scriptures talking about these sodomites. It's used where it says there shall be no whores of the, of the daughters of Israel and no sodomites of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of the whore nor the price of the dog into the house of the Lord. That dog there means catamites or pederasts or sodomites. And, uh, and it's used, you could just... Check that. You check that. Yeah. What I just told I, I you, think you will find uh, that that is what it's talking uh, about. The power of the dog. I think you're. I think you are uh, correct in that matter. But what we would like to ask you about, while we have a few minutes to talk with you on the phone tonight, is while we're in agreement on the sin of homosexuality and we're appalled by it, but we want to inquire as to why you approach this issue the way you do. We'd we'd like to investigate uh, your religious viewpoints that lead you to yeah. do these funeral demonstrations and use the harsh rhetoric with your signs yeah. and so forth that have, have sort of become a trademark of your uh, congregation. What What is your th- biblical viewpoint as to why you approach it the way... I mean, we speak against homosexuality as well, but we don't do it in the same fashion or in the same tone that you do, and we, we'd like to understand why you approach it the way you do. We'll start with this. Hope gives me great plainness of speech. That's what Paul said. And the point is this. At this hour, when the wrath of God is pouring out upon the head of this nation, you understand 9-11 was the beginning of sorrows. It is the time of the visitation of America. God does not send his servants out onto the streets of your nation for 16 years and leave us hanging out there telling you that you cannot do this and expect for God to ignore you forever. He would not put up with this conduct, the abominations of this nation. Please do not keep, don't limit this discussion to homosexuality. This is not just about the homosexuals. It's about their enablers. Romans 1.32 says, And they, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only go on ahead and do it, but they take pleasure in them that do it. They're their enablers. These homosexuals could not have the political clout that they have in this nation if it weren't for their enablers running around behind them saying it's okay to be gay, it's okay to be gay, and we need gay marriage, and we need this, and we need that. And then they prop up Matthew Shepard as the poster child for the face of the perverts of this nation. And they throw up a straw man and say he was killed because he was gay, which is just a joke. There's no gay. There's nothing gay about these people. Well, we agree they're miserable. With they're sick. They have a shorter lifespan. They're drug addicts. They have a higher uh, rate of suicide and so on. Okay. But here's the more important point of all of this. You need to get over to Ezekiel 16 and read that, and in the few places where it actually articulates Jerusalem or Judah or, or such, substitute in America. And then you will begin to have a very good understanding. It starts right off saying, cause America to know her abomination. Well, Mrs. Felsroper, let me ask you a question. You brought up 9-11. Um, 
you have signs uh, that say thank, thank God for 9/11. You're, you're, and so you're you're pleased with 9/11, I guess. And you know that uh, Psalm 58:10 says the righteous shall rejoice when they see the judgment of God executed upon a rebellious nation. Well, that leads me to my next question: How do you know that 9/11 was caused by God? Well. Well, it'd be that big, huge body of scripture that says, start here. Shall there be evil in the city and God hath not done it? Well, Ms. He, says, uh, he says all things, everything flows directly from the hand of the Lord your God. He said, see the rod and who hath appointed it. But you because said earlier, you said earlier that th- this judgment of God started at 9/11. Well, I there, said, there had been other calamities. I mean, there, in any in, in any given period of time, there are calamities that that happen. I mean, there had been hur- hurricanes and earthquakes uh-huh. and and uh-huh. plagues of various kinds. Uh, around the world, but specifically in America, we, we could go back historically and, and describe massive floods and, and you other sure kinds can. of... So you sure can. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm those cur- the adumbrations of the wrath of God. But you understand, we weren't there. We weren't at that spot. The Lord our God put us right here today with this message for this nation. So the punishment of God, so the punishment of God started when you guys showed up or? No. Okay. No, no. I said, this is the time of the visitation of America. There comes a place where people will not heed the warnings, those adumbrations of God's wrath that have come before. Isaiah put it this way, why should you be stricken more and more? You just rebel more and more. He said, hear me, ye rulers of Sodom and ye people of Gomorrah. You know that Isaiah was preaching hundreds of years after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, but his message was the same to them. It's the point about the homosexual thing is this. By the time you see a people who have risen up with one voice to say it's okay to be gay, you are looking at a doomed people. This is a doomed America that we preach to now. Well, let us take this one step further. And just We're really trying to understand your thinking. Okay. Uh, um, are we, from what we've seen, we've watched some video clips on the internet and so forth. Would it be fair to say that you are happy when sinners die and go to hell? I am, I I rejoice at the judgment of God executed upon a rebellious nation. I don't know any other way to say that, hon. You can articulate a different event. Look, we have been in and out of these states. We have been standing on these streets every single day for 16 years. I have some. I have 11 children. Half of those children, almost, I had six when we took to the streets. Some of my children don't know any other life than this one, where they are steeped in the scriptures every day. We search the scriptures every day. Well, how, do, know, how do you? In other words, you're happy. When sinners die and go to hell, and, and I assume you, your thinking is that God is also happy to do that, but... And he says, he, look, he says in Proverbs 1, that you, how long, you simpletons, will you love simplicity? I've called, you will not answer. I've sent my prophets out onto your streets, you will not hear. He said, and yet I still have compassion upon you, even as I put a smiting rod across your back. Well, in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, though, it says, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Exactly. And in fact, I'm glad you brought up Ezekiel 33, because that is one of the major reasons we've got to be on these streets. He says to him, Son of man, I've made you a watchman. You've got the word of God. Now you get out there when you hear the trumpet sound in the city. The trumpet is sounding all over America when these dead children are coming home in body bags at the hand of a raging mad God. He says when you hear that trumpet sound, you get out there and warn them. And if they die in their sins and you have failed to warn them, I will require their blood at your hands. In Ezekiel 33 it says that. And and in that speech that he's making to Ezekiel, because I would prefer that these guys repent, and they won't repent if they don't hear these words, these plain words. Now, if they hear you and they turn from their evil ways, good. But if they hear you and they will not repent, then their blood will not be required at your hands. It will be on their own hands. 
Um, let, let me ask you a question. Um, you, you, I want to go back to something you said just a little while ago. You said okay. that uh, everything that happens in the streets is from God. Even everything that happens everywhere. There isn't anything happening among the sons of men on the earth that didn't come directly from the hand of the Lord your God. That would include good and evil, right? Every bit of it. Okay, and that would include sin as well then, correct? Every bit of it. And so that, so the homosexual then is a homosexual because God wants him to be a homosexual. Exactly. He says they are, Romans 9, vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. You understand, he says, the potter has power over the clay. You first find the potter in Jeremiah. Well, maybe not first, it's in Psalms. But, but I'm talking about the potter, that be the Lord your God, has power over the clay to make of the same lump of clay a vessel of honor, That'd be a wine goblet for the king, or a vessel of dishonor, a toilet. He says, how, he says, does the, uh, does the clay, can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me that? Okay, so if, if God wants homosexuals, then when you're out on the street corners, you're not trying to get them to print then, because God wanted oh, them to Oh, absolutely be. not. You're not We're trying not to, get, trying them to, to get them to repent because we know perfectly well that when Romans 1 tells you three times for this cause, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God and neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish hearts were darkened and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and they changed the glory of that incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things and for this cause. God gave them up to uncleanness, well, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies, and because they changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, God gave them up to vile affections. Well, now, Ms. Roper, I think Romans 1 is a clear condemnation of homosexuality. But, hon, it tells you how they got that way. Well, we and furthermore, he says God gave them up to that. So who do you think is going to repent when the only source that can get you to the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord your God? No man can come unto me well, let, let me ask the Father you. which let me draw him. Well, this is an important question. Now, yeah. in that same immediate time frame, probably, uh, in fact, a couple years before the Roman letter was written, 1 Corinthians was written. Yes. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about homosexuals and male you. prostitutes, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. And he says in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, and Such were some, some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Now, in the, in the same time frame in which that strong condemnation of homosexuality was voiced, Paul was, in Corinth, converting homosexuals. But you say you're not trying to get homosexuals to repent. Now, well, wh why all, the difference? Okay. First of all, be clear about a few things. We are not Paul. His ministry is not our ministry. Clearly, we are not establishing the church. Clearly, the Lord Jesus Christ said, you can, you can discern the signs of the times as easily as you can discern the weather. And you know that when the, when the day comes, that the condition, the affairs, the conditions of the sons of man look like those of the antediluvian, doomed antediluvian world and doomed Sodom and Gomorrah, that is, he says, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. They were a thriving society. Until the day that Lot went out and God destroyed them all with fire from heaven. And those conditions will exist when the Son of Man returns. Well, you know, the thing of it is, though, your, your suggestion, which I'd have to differ with, your suggestion is that as bad as it is in America today, it, I would argue that the, the Roman Empire in the days of the first century in which Paul was doing that work and converting homosexuals in the process of it, that that's, that that society was every bit as corrupt or more so than our own, as bad as it is. And so, why the difference? Why would your approach be to uh, address... Are you suggesting that we're not in the last of the last days? I don't know. I honestly well, don't know. I don't believe that that, that, there, that we can know the signs of the end of time. Jesus said well, in Matthew course, 24, there'd be no sign given. No, he said there'll be no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he was talking to them on a very specific question there, but he says specifically that you will... You, that I just I just quoted you scripture as it was well, in the in, days of in, Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. Those conditions will exist when the Son of Man returns. And he says, "You hypocrites! 
will look at the face of the sky and you will say the weather's going to be this way or that way, but you will not discern the signs of the times. Second Peter chapter three verse ten, he says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Exactly. And First Thessalonians chapter five. Totally unawares. But you know also that the servants of God are not going to be caught unawares because they're called the watchers. They are about the business of running to and fro in this earth, keeping their ear to the ground, adding to their faith, virtue, and industrious, energetic, going about their service to God, hitting the streets, keeping their ear to the ground, and their eye on the sky. Okay, That's because they are, they are the watchers, and those horsemen, those guys in uh, Zechariah, where the Lord Jesus Christ is portrayed as being on the horse, under the myrtle tree in the bottom, and it says those horse, those speckled horses back there, who are they? They are us. Mrs. Roper, let me ask you another question. You said that you're not trying to get homosexuals to repent. Do you believe that salvation is available to the homosexual through Christ Jesus? And I just told you the reason that they will not repent is because God has given them up. And now, there. let me finish. Okay. With respect to Paul saying, and such were some of you, as he described the whole litany of sins, he did not say all of you were engaged in all of these actions. We don't have all those answers. But what I do know from practical experience, living in America and looking at people in the face and hearing their words, is that there are some people who are not hardcore, gay pride-marching perverts. They are people who, because they were left to themselves, you understand, a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Like, for instance, the little guy who was kidnapped and raped by that pervert in Missouri. He did not engage in conduct as a voluntary act. It was a thing that was thrust upon him, and by the same token, the phone calls that we've received from, like, a woman saying, I was in the Army, and there was a lesbian sergeant, and she insisted and pushed, and I'm so ashamed. You understand? She engages in the conduct on a, like, four- or five-time basis. She's not a hardcore, gay pride-marching pervert. Now, when you say such were some of you, somewhere in there, that conduct would fall. But I know this about those people. If they're servants of God, they're not going to be sitting around talking about what they've been doing in their sinful hour. They're going to be so ashamed of their conduct that no one will ever know about those things except... You know. Okay, well, okay, you're drawing some lines there. Let me ask you, though, you say that, that God hates homosexuals. He does. Talk, talk about that hate for a minute. Yes, it is this. It is his determination. By the way, you ought to go to our newest website, which is so awesome, and it's called signmovies.net. And there are a bunch of picket signs, like 32 or so, and about 20 of them are complete because it's not totally done. But you click on the God hates fag sign, and there's my... Dad did that one, but there's someone behind those those signs talking to you in a small vignette with words and images, awesome stuff to help you understand what that sign does, is. Does about. God does God hate homosexuals more than other sinners? Does God hate homosexuals more than thieves, more than liars, more than other, those who commit other sins? Well, you know that there are degrees of sin. You know there's an unpardonable sin. That thing that you do when you sin against the Holy Ghost, when you attribute the work of God to the devil or some such thing as that. Those, that is the unpardonable sin which the Lord Jesus Christ said will not be forgiven you in this life or in the next. And you know that, that it is the sin for which nations were destroyed. You just read Genesis 19 and Judges 19, 20, and 21 where the tribe of Benjamin was almost wiped out over that sodomite mischief at Gibeah and and then understand that that isn't, you know, I told you that those prophets preach the same thing we preach. You get over there to Hosea 9, where he says, and they had deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. Well, now that let is, me, when the tribe of Benjamin went to war to protect those sodomites. Let me ask you a question. We, we're talking right. about, about the hate of the homosexual. Does he hate all sinners or just homosexuals? And, you know, he says he hates, he says, he says, the mouth of a whorish woman is a deep pit, and the man that is abhorred, you know, that's an extreme hatred, of the Lord will fall therein. He hates people. He hated Esau. 
He hates workers of iniquity, Psalm 5.5 says. So I don't know what the point of your question is. Does he hate them? He says he hates them. What do you want me to do with that? Well, did did he hate you when you have sinned in the past? Well, of course, now you know perfectly well that he either loves you before you are born. It says in Romans 9 that those twins, Jacob and Esau, who are the types, the standing types in the Scriptures, for all of the sons and daughters of Adam, you are either a Jacob when you're born or you're an Esau. If you are a Jacob, God loves you, and he loved you before you were born. He says those twins were yet in their mother's womb, having done neither good nor evil. And he told their mother, Rebecca, I love Jacob. I hate Esau. Miss Roper, now I think this probably gets to the heart of the issue, and I'm glad we've got to this because we've really kept you a little longer than we promised we would. But uh, just, right. j- just a minute or two more. This approach... To the to the issue of homosexuality, and I, again, I would reiterate uh, that we are just appalled by homosexuality as well. But we approach the problem differently than you do because we believe that homosexuals can repent and need to repent and be saved from their sins. But I, I'm I'm of the opinion, hearing what you said, that your approach to homosexuality is due to your Calvinistic view of unconditional election. Would that be a fair statement? Unconditional election? Well, absolutely. And so they're going to be saved or they're not going to be saved, but it says by the foolishness of preaching they're saved. And by the way, Jude says, on some have compassion, making a difference. And others, you save with fear, snatching them like a brand from the burning, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Look, you, our message is the same whether they are saved or they're not saved. Well, but they're going to be, if, if, if unconditional election is a true doctrine, then whether you preached to them or not, they would either be saved or lost. So why, why make the effort? Because I have already answered that because we're told repeatedly. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It says by the foolishness of preaching they're saved. And how are you going to hear preaching unless someone is doing the preaching? And the preaching has got to be faithful to the written word. You don't let, need to change the word or manage the message. Let me read you a quote from write the real word. Let me read you a quote from S. T. Tolley. He was uh, editor of the Christian Baptist. That was a a primitive Baptist publication of long standing. And he said, quote, There are many from among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people who will be saved from their sins, even those who have never heard the gospel of Christ. But it won't be because of any poor, that any poor sinners say yes. Primitive Baptists have always believed that it was unnecessary for the gospel of Christ to be preached in order that sinners be saved from hell. Well, I'm sorry about that heretic. You don't agree. You don't agree. When Mark, when he ends up Mark saying, I have been given all power in heaven and earth, therefore you go into the whole earth and you preach the gospel. That's what we're doing. So, but in preaching the gospel, is it, is it to convert sinners or is it just simply to pronounce their doom? It is to preach the gospel. But it that, is so that they will be without excuse. You know that Noah preached for 120 years to the antediluvian world, and Romans 11. He, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 says, Hebrews 11:7, that by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, and he built an ark, and by the which he saved his household. He condemned. The world. And now, he became heir to... Look, once these people hear these words, and they don't repent, and they don't uh, serve God with all their heart, soul, might, and mind, when they stand before God the day of judgment, they're going to have to explain that. You did know my word, because I had my servants standing on your streets telling you. Let me ask you one follow-up question, and we need to let you go, Ms. Roper. Uh, unconditional election is matched in the, in the uh, theology of Calvinism with limited atonement. Do you believe yes. that Jesus died for all men? No heavens, no. How could you say that? He says, I pray not for the world, but for those that God gave me out of the world. He said, uh, John 3.16, that scripture that is so perverted in this generation, saying that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. And two verses down he says, and those who don't believe are as surely going to end in hell as if they were already there. So you understand that he didn't die for... Look, you are going right to the heart of the sovereignty of God and to his deity when you ask that question and then give the wrong answer. Because either God died for all of the sins of all of mankind, in which case all of mankind will go to heaven without a doubt because the power of God 
is what has saved them. And don't you dare blaspheme God by saying he didn't have the power to do that. Or he died for some of the sins of all of mankind, in which case we all go directly to hell because all of your sins had better be covered, or you will pay the price for those that weren't. So you're or he died for all of the sins of some of mankind, which is what the scripture teaches. Okay, so you're, let me be sure that we get you straight here. You're saying that God did not love the world then. He that loves the world that, that he gave his only begotten son. He, but, those that he called before the foundation of the world, their names were written before the foundation of the world. So John there 3, is 6. a clear line of demarcation again and again about that matter. Those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And it says, and there were those who were not written. And let, if their name was not found in the Book of Life before the foundation of the world, they're going straight to hell. Let us summarize real quickly. We need to let okay. you go. We do, we do thank you so much for your time, but uh, we we do not adhere to the tenets of, of Calvinism. Well, but but now let me ask you a question about others who do. We've got a number of people, no doubt, listening who do believe in Calvinism, but would not do as you do. Would you would you tell them? And this this will be my last question to you. Would you tell others who believe in Calvinism? We don't, but others who do. Would you tell them that they ought to be approaching their business in the same way that you are? I'm going to tell every person listening that if you call yourself a servant of God and you see that his wrath is pouring out on this nation every day in every way and you remain silent, that is, you are not out on these streets warning your fellow man, fulfilling the royal law, that is, to love your neighbor as yourself, which is described in Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18, as if you do not warn them that their sin has taken them to hell, then you hate your neighbor in your heart. If you're not doing that at this hour, you are in a lot of trouble. You do not have any business calling yourself a servant of God, a Christian, or anything like that. We appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for for your comments and for joining us. We appreciate your discussion. Thank you for your willingness to join us on the virtual Bible study. We appreciate it very much. And I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who will want to get in on this discussion, and we'll give them a chance here in just a minute. But thank you again so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, there you go. That's Shirley Phelps Roper from the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. She set forth her views. What do you think about it? What do you think about the things that she said? She's laid out Calvinism there, Dad, I think, in its purest form. And our listeners may disagree with that and like to know why you believe that the approach that the Ropers are taking out there with the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, why do you think it's wrong? If you agree with it, let us know that. If you disagree with what she said, let us know. We're going to open up the phones now and let you jump in on the discussion. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or use the toll-free number for tonight, 866-403-6331, 866-403-6331, or send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Well, I see we have several emails waiting on us. We'll take a break and we'll weed through those as we are listening to this message. And when we get back, we want to hear from you, 931-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. Regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. 
Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight as we talk about the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, and their approach uh, as they preach the gospel. Uh, a lot of people would say it's a gospel of hate. And, uh, you know, we talked about the fact, Dad, that it is Calvinism taken, we believe, to its logical conclusion. She says that God hates the homosexual. God actually created the homosexual to send them to hell. It's a very hateful doctrine, very hateful picture of a God there. Um, we would disagree with that. Interested in getting our listeners' opinion. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of response. A lot of you want to get in on this and give us your opinions. Uh, we, we will try to get to as many comments as we can, but... Uh, you know, she said plainly that, you know, she's not trying to get homosexuals to repent. And so, you know, and if you look at their website and see some of the videos that she was talking about, they actually smiling and gleeful over the death of such people. Dance on the graves of people that they disagree with. So it, it, it now right there at the end, I think, was the key, Jake. If we got her to say that this is rooted in her view of Calvinism. Now, what I was trying to get to there at the end was. If this is right for her as a Calvinist to follow this approach, should all who adhere to Calvinism also follow the same pro- approach? If not, why not? So we'd be especially interested in hearing some who who are who believe in Calvinism tell us why you don't do the same thing that the uh, Westboro Baptist Church does. That's that would be the challenge. Explain the difference and why it is appropriate to be different from them if you believe in Calvinism. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's go out to Forest Grove, Oregon, and welcome William to the Virtual Bible Study. Hello, William. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for calling tonight. Wow, what a what a person. Reality. I never. Oh, I actually have seen people so well scriptured and so erroneous as her in the past, but she is in the top right now. Yeah, that she 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 sort of ranks way up there among those who can quote the scriptures but come up with the wrong conclusion. I think. Oh yes, uh, it's interesting because uh, well, obviously in Galatians chapter five, for example, the deeds of the flesh in verse nineteen twenty one. We find some of the things that she was talking about, how God hates immorality and pure sensuality and so on. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed from her voice is more than righteous indignation. I thought it was more than hatred and, and, and complete wrath. Uh, not a, a righteous one, but actually a one uh, hatred, complete hatred. Interesting that, uh, that the outburst of anger is listed there in uh, the deeds of the flesh, which will be one of the reasons why you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I think you'd have to be careful about that, wouldn't you? That that you could you could become more than, as you say, more than righteously indignant. You could actually come to the point of hatred, and and that there's no place for that in the heart of a Christian. And one of the things that Romans two talks about is you who teach another, do you not teach yourself? And there, uh, uh, I think she needs to revise a little more her her. Uh, idea of the scripture. Also, at the end, she mentioned how the Lord didn't die for anyone, and once again, somebody who can be well scriptured and uh, not see what the scriptures teach. First John chapter 2, verse 2 says, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And she limits the blood of Christ to only a few. And there you go, someone who actually limits the power of God. Yeah, Second Corinthians five fourteen and fifteen. The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all we're all dead, and that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but to him that died for them and rose again. First uh, Timothy two verse four. God will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all. To be testified in due time. I think you're right. We really appreciate your call. I'm hoping she will listen to the uh, rest of the show. That way, maybe she can learn something. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, William, out there in Oregon, and thank you for your call tonight. The number to call is 931-381-4567-866-403-6331 is the 800 number to use tonight. Or send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your comments on the virtual Bible study tonight. We got an email from Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. Jim, we're glad you're listening tonight. He says, where does Jesus ever teach that we should be thankful for someone being dead? Did he not teach us to pray for our enemies? Matthew 5, verses 43 through 46. My guess is that she'd probably say she does 
utter prayers, but I, I don't know for what effect or for what reason when she said that she doesn't believe homosexuals can repent or that they could or that, that they, sh- that she even wants them to because they've reached a, a sort of a point of no turning or a point of no return. So, uh, uh, a good question, Jim. I don't know. I don't know how she'd answer that. All right. The number to call is 931-381-4567-866-403-6331. And that's the number that Michael in Murfreesboro has called. Michael, hello. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hello. How are you? Doing good. Good. Um, I'm not trying to be ugly here. Just want to make a few comments. Uh, first of all, and this is not sexist or derogatory, but that right there is what you get into when you have a woman being loud and getting emotional with the scriptures and her reason completely leaves her. And, of course, she was been indoctrinated by her uh, daddy. You know, he's filled her with all that good heresy. But the Bible tells us over in Jeremiah 19.5, they have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. So basically God's sovereignty got overthrown right there. And God, um, her, her whole premise, of course, with Calvinism is that God controls everything. If that's the case, you've got to follow that out to the logical conclusion that God caused those people to sin. Therefore, God's just as wicked and evil as they are. Absolutely. He, he actually formulated it in his mind, didn't he, Michael? He actually created the sin and dreamed it up, and he had these people, these homosexuals, in all of the filth that they're involved in, he actually created that and, filth. And, 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 and programmed them to act it out. Yeah, that's right. He's got a pretty dirty mind, doesn't he? Yes, well, the thing that, the thing that, that these people don't understand God, although he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he can do anything he wants to do, and he tries in every way he can to save man from his sinful state, such as killing his own son for a bunch of unworthy people, God will not do anything to overthrow your free will. And although God does hate sin, he does hate workers of iniquity, the Bible plainly says that, the fact is, God died for those people, so that once they accept his son, they are no longer a worker of iniquity. They are adopted into the into the uh, body of Christ. I think you're right uh, when you say, Michael, that it, that it goes to their view of God's sovereignty. They believe that God is only sovereign if if He uh, causes everything that happens to happen. Right. We believe He is sovereign and and has chosen to give us free will. And so we believe in the sovereignty of God as well. He's the almighty God of the universe, but he, in his sovereignty, has has chosen to give us the opportunity to choose to do good or evil. That's no chance. That, that does not deny his sovereignty, but it, it actually is in, in uh, harmony with what's taught in the Word of God. That's right. Well, we thank you for your call, Michael. Appreciate you listening out there tonight. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. The number to call is 931-381-4567-866-403-6331. Line's open now. You can jump in and join in on the virtual Bible study. Appreciate Michael's comments there. really gets down to what uh, what she's saying there is that God is a filthy, perverted individual or being if he has actually created these sinful people he's created the sin he's formulated it in his mind he actually gets all of the sin uh created out there for these people god's the one that's doing all this sin jacob we got an email from pat down in harvest alabama pat glad you're listening tonight and he simply said ask her about women preachers <laughs> and and they do have an issue with women preachers uh, on their website they they condemn women preachers um so she was doing a good bit of preaching there it sounded like all right number to call is nine three one three eight one four five six seven we've also got an email from stan just uh, along the lines of where is the love he says and he quotes luke six verses thirty one through thirty three uh as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them that love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. I think he's obviously commenting on the, what he perceived to be a lack of love. Terry in Fairview's up next. Hello, Terry. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Well, Jacob and Greg, good to talk to you all tonight. Hey, Terry. Thanks for listening tonight. Uh, a very interesting discussion. I think one of the interesting things I was thinking of is the logical conclusion of her argument is that if God created these people that she so willingly calls perverts, what does that make God? 
And I think that's an interesting idea to consider. If they are perverted in mind because they act that way, what is the one who created them to act that way? I mean, she not only changes God's sovereignty and really limits that in a way, but she also makes God a pervert and, and as you said earlier, Jacob, just you know, a really dirty mind. And, and uh, that may be one of the most concerning things of what is happening to God in the whole analogy here. And I find it interesting kind of the whole idea that uh, she presents is, you know, if other people that agree with her as far as her doctrine of Calvinism, if they don't do the same thing she's doing, essentially they're not saved either. They're not in that elect either. Well, she pretty much said that there at the end. If they're not out proclaiming a message in the in the same fashion or same tone that, that uh, the Westboro Baptist Church is, they better watch out, she said, they, because they're not doing their job. So she basically saying you need to approach this the same way we do or else. So, you know, that's where she's at on that. Well, and one more comment, and I'll let other people get in. It's interesting, if, if I watch their approach, and uh, I've, I've done quite a bit of research on that as well, as you all know, uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, it's interesting to me that their approach is just completely void of the fruits of the Spirit we read about in Galatians. Uh, Galatians there. And that's interesting to me that uh, they could be of that elect, quote-unquote, and be saved, and, and that's undeniable to them, and yet they fail to act in the way that is supposed to be proof of who and what they are. What it gets down to, Terry, is that God will hate you if you don't have the fruits of the Spirit, but if you're one of the elect, God doesn't really care. Well, he might care, but he doesn't hate you, but he only hates uh, certain people. You do what you want. If you're one of the elect, he's not going to hate you. And uh, so a little bit of a contradiction there. Serious, guys. Good job, Tom. Thanks, Terry. Glad you listened. Thanks for listening. 931-381-4567-866-403-6331. Jump in on the phones now and let us know your comments. Got an email from Nick in Jennings, Florida, and he references, uh, he says, God demands all to repent. Acts 17.30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. She says that that's not the case. He also referenced 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, that's an important phrase, but that all should come to repentance. That verse flies right in the face of what she said uh, in the broadcast. So I think you're exactly right, Nick. Thanks for listening down there in Florida tonight. Thank you, Nick. And let's go up to Bowling Green, Ohio, and welcome George to the Virtual Bible Study. Hello, George. Yes. uh, Brother, I'm flabbergasted tonight. All right. Uh, uh, If I understood that lady correctly... She has proclaimed that evil originates with God. That's what that's what a, a Calvinist has to proclaim, George, if they're going to be logical. And, 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 and it, it, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. They have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and say that God wanted Eve to partake of the fruit that she shouldn't have taken. But I notice, uh, I guess, what uh, uh, I'm not impressed with people who quote scriptures, and especially people who quote half scriptures. Uh, when she went to Ma- uh, to Mark, uh, he that believe uh, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. She forgot about that every creature. Well, I think George. She probably says that she's going to preach it to him. Now she's not going to try to convert them all. She's just going to pronounce doom upon those who are not among God's elect. I think that's her approach. Her approach is, yeah, let's get the message out to them all. But to the vast majority, it'll be a message of doom and destruction, uh, rather than a, a plea to repentance and, and and salvation. So I, she would say, yes, she wants to go to all the world. In fact, you know. You have to give them credit. She says, for how many days, every day, for how many years, they've been out on the streets proclaiming their message. Their message is terribly wrong, but they're certainly energetic about proclaiming it. And so I think we've got to give her credit on, uh, and her group credit on that account. They're proclaiming the message. What, we, what we're saying is the motivation for their message is much different than ours. Right. And uh, she forgets one thing, that Christ shed his precious blood for the redemption of all who will uh, uh, accede to, the, to what he asked to do to come into him and us to repent and be baptized in doing. George, we appreciate your comments. We agree with you tonight. Thank you for listening up in Ohio. And the number to call is 931-381-4567 or 866-403-6331. Send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. That's why you can participate in the program tonight. Jacob, we've got an email from Joe G. Joe G. Uh, references simply uh, sent us a, a text from Luke 13, 1 through 9. Won't take time to read all of that, but I think his his reference here is in 
into the relationship of God sends destruction because of sin. And in that passage, um, uh, the disciples came and told of some Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, Think ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, he, he, I think his text here is toward the argument that all the problems in America, dead soldiers and so forth, is, is a sign of God's judgment. Whereas Jesus said here that you can't take natural calamities and necessarily prove that they are a response to sin. I think it's a good, I think it's a good observation. Again, the number to call is 931-381-4567 or 866-403-6331. If you're having trouble getting through on the phone, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Dad, no doubt we have some people listening tonight who would believe and, and, and agree with the idea of Calvinism. We want to understand from them why they would not agree with the Phelps approach in the Westboro Baptist Church. Why they would not agree with that approach is not the Phelps view of of God's sovereignty, of his unconditional election, and his hatred of a people. Is that not consistent with the doctrine of Calvinism? Let us know your thoughts by calling 931-381-4567. 866-403-6331 or emailing questions at collegeview.com. Jerry in Marion, Indiana is up next. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Well, hello there. I just wanted to say uh, hello to Greg, long time no see. Uh, Jerry, does your last name start with an S? It does. Hey, S-A-Y-R-E. good. Yeah, good to hear from you, Jerry. Yeah, bud. Hey, listen, you know that I heard an old saying years ago that this smells like smoke and it comes from the pits of hell. And I really do believe that you did a good job in letting her speak. In doing so, she has hung herself. You know, because people know enough about the Word of God to know that that is wrong. And and so, you know, she, she just spoke enough that you just knew that didn't ring true to the Word of God. And I wanted to tell you, too, that this is the first time I've seen your program. And it's really clear, and, and uh, you know, appreciate that. Well, we're glad you found us, Jerry, and uh, you found us on a good night, uh, having an interesting discussion underway. Hope everything's going well for you up there in Indiana. It's doing, doing well. Uh, okay, so, hope I to see you soon. Let somebody else have Thank Thanks, you, Jerry. Jerry. For your call. Thank you for listening up in Indiana. The number, so, the line is open now. The number to call is 931-381-4567-866-403-6331. If you're having trouble getting through on the phone tonight, our email is open. You won't get a busy signal on our email. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Uh, really uh, enjoying listening to our listeners' perspective, Dad, and uh, they've gathered some things I think that we missed during that dis- discussion with um, Mrs. Phelps Roper, and so interested in hearing some more. Uh, we got a, we got an email from Chris in Lewisburg, Tennessee, and he says, he, I thought of two questions can, to ask the guest. Of course, we, she's off the air now, so we can't ask her, but I think this still serves the purpose. One, she's been talking about signs of the times. Has there been no homosexuality or homosexual enablers in other societies until America was established? I think that's exactly right. I sort of questioned her there, Jacob, about yeah, right. the Roman Empire. Yeah, very, very wicked empire. And, and Paul was going about converting homosexuals. And not once did I hear him say that God hates homosexuals. Right. He uh, didn't. I don't read that anywhere in his sermons. I, I would believe that the Roman society was every bit as corrupt or more so than our own, as many or more homosexuals than there are today. And we're not minimizing the sin. But Paul didn't approach it the way the Westboro Baptist Church is. That was the point we were trying to make. Second question Chris has, how does she know that every soldier that has died is a sinner and not a Christian? I, I don't know how she would know that. Uh, and and yet she's glad. She says, for the death of soldiers, thank God for dead soldiers, their sign says. I read on one of their websites a quote where they referenced 12 soldiers were, were reported as having been killed, and they said, we wish it was 12,000 soldiers. And so that's just their outlook. And it, it and it, that goes to what we were saying and what some of our listeners have been saying about it sure seems like hate rather than, than uh, a loving appeal to repentance. That's right. Jim in Mount Pleasant is up. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Are you there, Jim? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, it's kind of a weak signal, it sounds okay, like. Okay, uh, go ahead. Okay. I was just thinking, you know, what? I wonder what her comment would be uh, in thinking about Paul and uh, his previous life, you know, being one of those that it mentions in Acts chapter 7 that held the coats of those who stoned Stephen and uh, his comment in one of his epistles about being chief of all sinners. And yet, after having the gospel preached to him by Ananias, he repented and was saved. 
You know, what about the concept of Calvinism with that? He heard the gospel, he believed the gospel, he repented, he obeyed and was baptized, he was saved. And, you know, that seems, to, just thinking about him alone as one individual would certainly rebuke the concept of Calvinism that she was espousing. I think you're right, Jim. Uh, they're just, there's a real inconsistency there. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you got my comment as to what I thought about her. Yeah, well, I saw that. I didn't read that. And but... we better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, people want to be plain spoken. I think she's a nut. Okay, <laughs> we got you on record as saying so, Jim. Uh, Appreciate right. you listening tonight. Thanks for being uh, out there. Okay. Uh, all right. The line's open now, 931-381-4567, or dial the toll-free number, 866-403-6331. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we've got an email from Don, and he he references a sermon that I think he has seen on the Internet from Fred Phelps. Now, Fred Phelps is the founder of this Westboro Baptist Church. He's the father of the lady we interviewed, Shirley Phelps Roper. And uh, in a sermon in December 10th, 2006, which is fairly recent here, not too long ago, he says the sermon is full of vulgar and trashy talk, which most people would consider offensive and a stumbling block to teaching or learning truth. Is there any scriptural evidence that Jesus used popular vulgar slang and trash talk when he preached? I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any evidence of that whatsoever. Jesus did not speak in that, in those ways. And we would warn people, if you go to look at the websites of this group, there are some very offensive things there. I mean, uh, outrageously offensive. Very vulgar. And, and, uh, of course, we couldn't discuss every issue with her, but I, I would definitely uh, have a problem with uh, those kind of things that they, they – and I've, I've heard in other interviews where she uses uh, what I'd consider cuss words, and I, I just don't think there's any place for that, obviously, and I definitely don't think there's any evidence that uh, Jesus would use that kind of uh, – language. So, Don, thanks for that observation. All right. Back to the phones. Wade in Hampshire's up next. Hello, Wade. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, Jacob. Uh, my comment is, uh, I just want to reference 1 Corinthians 6 uh, in verse 9, and he groups all these together. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor affectionate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covenants, Drunkards, revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. But then in verse 11 he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Now these people, you know, they they turn back and, or, or excuse me, they turn from their sins and they were justified. What What would her position be on those people? And also... He doesn't list just homosexuals there. There are a lot of other sexual sins that he lists there in the same grouping. Well, that's right, uh, Wade. Thank you for your call tonight. Uh, we asked her about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Dad, and the answer was, well, you could be converted from a homosexual. Basically, you could be in theory, but uh, it's not likely that there many, would be many that could be converted because really God, you know, he wants those homosexuals to go to hell. Well, and she referenced Romans 1 where it says he gave them up. In other words, uh, you know, she's saying that some are, are just not even subjects of, uh, that, that could repent if they wanted to. And yet we believe that all men can repent if they will come to God. So, Jacob, we're, we're just out of time, and we've got a ton of emails. We're still getting phone calls. I, I recommend that we carry this discussion over to next week. Why don't we do that? Why don't we continue the discussion next week? In the meantime, we can study more about the issue of Calvinism, Dad. But in summary of what we talked about tonight with Mrs. Phelps Roper, you know, Calvinism, if you're logical with it, paints God as a very hateful God. He has created a world full of sinners, a majority of the people being sinners. God created in that way because he wanted to send them in hell. He wanted to send them in hell before the world was created because that's the kind of God he is. He's a hateful God. And not only does he want to send them to hell, he's a very wicked and perverse God because he has created all the sin that's in the world and he has formulated all these evil activities, murder, rape, incest, homosexuality, every filthy sin you can think of, God created it because God is sovereign and he created that. He wanted it to be in this world and he has formulated it in such a way that people will do all these perverse things that's the kind of evil God that Calvinism paints, and that's just simply not the God of the Bible. Let's talk about Calvinism more next week. I think it's a, a discussion that we've got to have, especially along the ideas of 
predestination, foreordination, unconditional election, limited atonement. We've got to talk about those things. We've got to get to the Bible truth on those subjects. For all of you who are listening, we hope you will listen again next week. In fact, we hope you'll make it a regular appointment to study with us every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. We do this every Thursday night. Uh, tonight was a little special in that we had a, a, a rather well-known guest to interview for half of the time. Therefore, we didn't get to as many uh, emails and phone calls as we would have liked to normally. But we can continue this discussion next week, and we hope you'll join us uh, for another uh, study of Calvinism. Yeah, we want to thank Mrs. Phelps Roper again for being willing to come and talk with us. We just happened to disagree uh, with her position and with her view, but we're, we're very grateful for the fact that she was willing to discuss it with us. That's right. That's right. And uh, again, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, they, we think they're dead wrong in their message, but they're not ashamed to to be out there doing it, and uh, we might even could learn something from her in being bold to proclaim what we believe is the real truth of God's Word. Well, we appreciate you listening to the program tonight. We hope you benefited from the discussion. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week when we plan to go into more in-depth discussion of Calvinism in light of what Mrs. Phelps Roper has said on the virtual Bible study tonight. If you enjoyed the program, let us know. Send us an email. Tell your friends about the virtual Bible study. Let them know about the Bible study to be back here next week and join us in the virtual Bible study. We hope you'll be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.